Welcome to Full Disclosure with the Better Government Association here each Wednesday morning on the WMAY Morning News Feed. We're always pleased to be joined by David Greising. He's the president and CEO of the BGA. And David, welcome back to the program. Great to have you here. Uh, Good to be with you, Jim. Thanks very much. We're getting into one of the most uh, interesting uh, parts of the year for political junkies. The Illinois State Fair is just about upon us, back after a year's layoff due to the pandemic. And actually, uh, because of the fair and all the things that go on with it, we actually won't be able to do the segment next Wednesday morning. So this is really our chance to uh, to get into uh, what to expect, what to watch for from a political standpoint in terms of the fair. It's uh, there was a couple of days set aside. Uh, the governor's party gets one day that's supposed to be their day. Then the opposition party gets their day. Uh, and big changes for both coming back to the fair uh, for the first time in a couple of years. Uh, as you noted, uh, Dave, and we were talking before the uh, the segment, uh, this is going to be the first time in literally decades that we will not be seeing uh, the once most powerful Democrat in the state, Mike Madigan, as part of these Democrat Day events at the fair yeah and in recent years madigan had had an off on and off relationship there were times when he turned all the attention to the breakfast before the uh official democrat day on the fair grounds uh and there have been a number of memorable episodes too in which uh governor quinn was booed off the stage at one point because he had refused to give uh, benefit increases to state employees uh this time around uh, um, we have Governor Pritzker as sort of, uh, in many respects, the unrivaled leader of his party as he heads into a re-election campaign. It will be interesting to see how uh, the new speaker, Chris Welch, and state Senate President Don Harmon uh, step up into this really sort of ritualistic show of political unity and uh, rally the base sort of activity that surrounds the party days at the uh, state fair. You know, and for years, Illinois Republicans made their primary goal the uh, the end of the Madigan regime. Uh, they talked over and over about how Mike Madigan had to go. And now Mike Madigan's gone, but are Republicans in any way poised to take advantage of that, to take that victory lap? What's going to happen when they gather at the fair next week? Well, that that's a, a really uh, great question, Jim, because uh, really, it, the, if, if you put the leaders of the state Republican Party in a lineup, uh, it's unlikely that the uh, the attendees who are not part of the party uh, at the fair would recognize probably any of them, including those who plan to run against uh, Governor Pritzker. Um, we would expect to see this be sort of a showcase uh, for those who uh, hope to take on the governor uh, after a, a primary season. So uh, you'll see people the likes of which are Rod Davis, the congressman. You'll see Darren Bailey the the uh uh, downstate lawmaker who has made a point of trying to be a renegade, especially on the masking issue. Uh, it's really going to be sort of a uh, rogues gallery of people who uh, aren't easy to identify and probably are going to have a very tough time beating Governor Prisker and the billions of dollars he has at his disposal for re-election. You know, and, and we don't know who yet is waiting in the wings. One of the uh, interesting stories bouncing around last week was that Kirk Dillard, who was, of course, uh, a state lawmaker, an aide to Jim Edgar, uh, a guy who was seen as a very viable uh, candidate for governor at one point and then ran into the Bruce Rauner buzzsaw, uh, that he might be thinking about dipping his toe in the water again if there's sufficient 
significant financial support from some well-heeled Republican donors there. That could really reshape a, a race that, that right now looks like it uh, uh, is a big uh, advantage for J.B. Pritzker. Uh, but the entry of a Kirk Dillard or someone like that uh, could, could really change that calculus. Well, it could. It's sort of a throwback to the moderate sort of uh, Republican who used to be able to uh, draw votes in Illinois. Politics are so much more divided now and so much more partisan. It's unclear whether an old-style moderate like Kirk Dillard can get much uh, uh, traction. Uh, but certainly as an alternative to some of those uh, whose names have emerged already, and Dillard has acknowledged that he's looking at this, uh, that is a possibility. But again, if Kirk Dillard walks through the fairgrounds, uh, I'm not sure that anybody who's not very involved in party politics would, wouldn't generally recognize him. So even he, given his long time, uh, you know, he's the what the chair of Metro these days. He's he's still in government. Uh, he's still active. Uh, but even he, I think, would have a hard time still uh, making much of a name for himself. And, and when all is said and done after Republican Day at the fair next week and we look back on the speeches that are made, I, I have a feeling that moderate may not be a word we use to describe most of them. But uh, we'll watch that all play out next week at the Illinois State Fair. Uh, the the big looming question, of course, over the fair is: Will people come out? Uh, given that we are still in a pandemic, we're seeing cases on the rise. The Delta variant is out there. The fair putting in some mitigation, such as requiring masks in indoor. Uh, facilities on the fairgrounds, requiring masks in the grandstand, even requiring proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test to get into the standing room only area for concerts at the fair. And some folks are saying they're they're going to stay home, whether because they're concerned about the pandemic or because they're just angry about the rules that are being put in place. So uh, with the fair coming back after a, a layoff for a year because of the pandemic, we have to watch to see will people actually come out and, and support it as they did in the past. No doubt. But when you have things like the Butter Cow and the Route 66 retrospective, along with the uh, the landmark uh, set of uh, uh, music acts, I don't know how they can resist. So um, I, I have a feeling you'll see uh, pretty decent numbers. You, you never know. Um, Illinois is not one of those states where um, uh, where there's been as big there has been a fight over masking here but it's not as extreme as what we've seen in uh, some of the other states and uh, I, w I i wouldn't be surprised that with these safety protocols in place uh, we see decent numbers at the fair this year and you do make an excellent point uh, we uh, momentarily forgot the most important maxim in illinois if you build a corn dog stand they will come so <laughs> fair opens with the uh, the twilight parade tomorrow night and we'll be broadcasting live from the fair periodically uh, over these uh, next couple of weeks, so we hope to see you out there. Uh, David Grisings with us, President and CEO of the Better Government Association. Make sure you check out their website. Lots of valuable information there. Uh, and David, there's a piece up, but I haven't even had a chance to look at this yet. You have to kind of walk me through this a little bit, but you've taken a look uh, at what happened out in New York City with ranked choice voting. This is something that uh, a, a lot of people are advocating for uh, in order to uh, to be able to get to uh, an ultimately an elected candidate candidate that has some level of consensus or support, even if it's not your first choice, somebody you could potentially live with. Uh, but we we got a sense that this was a, a little bit complicated and uh, a little bit confusing for people when it was put into play for the recent New York City uh, mayoral primary. So what uh, what's the assessment of ranked choice voting and how this could play out? 
Right. We decided to take a look at sort of a catastrophe in New York City. Um, but the catastrophe was not related to ranked choice voting so much as the way that the New York Elections Board handled the vote. The aim of ranked choice voting is to give voters not just a single choice, but to uh, let them select among the candidates, uh, give rank them in order of preference. And there's a process by which, as candidates who have the least support drop out, uh, those uh, second and third place votes then go to others who are running. And eventually, a very popular consensus candidate emerges as the victor. Uh, it's taking off in states across the country. And we've been taking a look at it because it might be relevant in, in a situation like we have with the Republican governor's uh, primary, for example, where you have quite a number of people. And it might give people a different way to uh, elect a governor. Uh, but in any event, our look at New York City said, uh, you know, it's the elections board who inadvertently released some preliminary data that wasn't uh, weren't real votes uh, that implemented software just weeks, literally weeks before the election. And we looked at results at down ballot results, for example, the city council of New York, in which the number of women, the number of minorities and the number of younger candidates all are up substantially in part because of ranked choice voting. The people we talked to said and also there was an indication that the uh, the campaigning is a little bit less rancorous because the candidates uh, uh, kind of have an interest in being on good terms with each other so that their uh, supporters might list uh, the, the fellow candidate as a second choice. And so there's some interesting dynamics that take place with ranked choice voting. And just because New York botched it doesn't mean the concept isn't valid. So is this something that the BGA is uh, advocating or thinking should be considered for, uh, say, Illinois? We've not yet taken a formal position on it, but we're studying it because it's very interesting and it is becoming more common nationwide. It probably is uh, is worth examining, but we're not quite we, – we need to do a little bit more work, Jim, before uh, we, we can kind of weigh in with two feet and say this is good or this is not relevant for Illinois and here's why. Those are the – that's the way we approach things very carefully with a major decision like this. Definitely worth checking out among the many important things you'll find at the Better Government Association website. We'll be delving into a couple more of those important features, specifically the fact check service, which is invaluable in these days when you see so much misinformation floating around uh, on social media and sometimes repeated uh, by people in power. The BGA is there to separate fact from fiction. We'll talk about that and much more as we continue here. It's full disclosure with the Better Government Association. One of the most important things that the BGA does, in my opinion, is the uh, PolitiFact Fact Check Service, where they take a look at statements being made by Illinois politicians, elected officials, uh, or just what's bouncing around out on social media related to what's going on here in Illinois, and they set the record straight when necessary, and it seems to be necessary pretty often. David, since we last talked, there are a couple of new fact checks that have been posted. Uh, I want to begin with one uh, that, uh, you know, it was part of this, uh, the, the heartbreaking death of a Chicago police officer over the weekend. Uh, tragic enough, but then people decided to start embellishing her story, I guess, in an effort to somehow make it uh, an awful thing seem even worse. It's inexplicable how and why this happens, but it, it took off like wildfire. Yeah, it really is uh, is kind of disappointing. It shows the power of false information on on uh, uh, social media. Uh, Ella French, the young Chicago police officer um, uh, who was shot in a 
uh, terrible uh, altercation uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, as if she and her, her family aren't dealing with enough. Uh, in a, a Facebook rumor really spread by uh, conservative media uh, figures for some reason, uh, Ray Fournier and the former Trump press secretary, Kaylee McEnany, uh, talked about her having, depending on whom you read, either a two-month-old son or a two-month-old daughter when, in fact, uh, uh, Officer French uh, did not have children. And, and we, uh, we looked into this, and, um, uh, you know, the, the, this, this was false and also really hurtful that people would just make things up uh, in the immediate aftermath of a really horrific uh, uh, shooting uh, in Chicago. One of the first things you teach in journalism school is if your mother says she loves you, check it out. Uh, and that's unfortunately now uh, something we all have to adopt in our lives. Just because you see something being regurgitated on social media doesn't mean that it's true. Uh, and so you have to be very, very careful when you start to repeating things, accepting something as gospel just because you saw it on the internet. Uh, and also, uh, you can't necessarily accept that something's true just because you hear it from an elected official. That's uh, the next fact check uh, that we have to uh, delve into with uh, another statement from Congressman Rodney Davis. Right. Rod Davis is really sort of going for it. Uh, we had a fact check on him, found that he falsely claimed a couple weeks ago that he falsely claimed the Prairie State Energy Complex was uh, the, one of the most uh, clean energy complexes in the country. And this time um, he's at it with regard to the January 6th uh, insurrection at the nation's capital. Uh, saying that basically Nancy Pelosi controlled the House Speaker, controlled the actions of Capitol Security uh, that day, when in fact the record clearly demonstrates that while Nancy Pelosi did have input, uh, so did her Senate con counterpart, the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, and they did so uh, as part of the uh, kind of governing structure of the security at the Capitol. And so this was... Uh, you know, part of an effort to continue to uh, um, villainize Nancy Pelosi, um, make her look as if she uh, helped cause the problems at the uh, January 6th insurrection. And uh, we rated, um, we rated uh, Congressman's, uh, or Congressman Davis's uh, statement as mostly false. And again, you can go and uh, see the article and check out the receipts there because they document in detail uh, every point that is brought up uh, to either confirm or refute some of these statements of uh, elected officials. So go uh, check that out at the Better Government Association website. Uh, David, it's another example of how the BGA is uh, filling the void that we have seen because of huge changes in the journalism landscape all over the country, but particularly here in Illinois and more recent shakeups, which again show how the, the media picture is changing pretty dramatically. Right, no doubt. Uh, yesterday it was announced that Colin McMahon, the editor of the Tribune for the last year and a half or so, at a time of incredible turmoil with the takeover by the hedge fund Alden Global Capital, uh, Colin McMahon is stepping down. And a downstate native and, and uh, former cub reporter at the Springfield Journal Register, Mitch Pugh, is taking over as editor in chief. Uh, very interesting move uh, in that uh, this is a person who has built in his current job a record of really ambitious work. Um, uh, the, the South Carolina paper he runs has actually won a Pulitzer and 
uh, and been nominated and been a finalist several times with a newsroom staff of about 90 people. And so Mitch has a very strong record, but he's coming to a newspaper that has really been decimated. And, uh, for example, in covering Springfield, really just one reporter, Ray Long, uh, has a deep background in Springfield, whereas there used to be, you know, a good half dozen at least who knew Springfield well on the staff of the Tribune. And so he's uh, Mitch Pugh has his work cut out for him, uh, but it's an interesting move on the part of the Tribune. Uh, our counterpart, ProPublica, also lost their leader uh, in the last week or so. So there's a lot of turmoil going on both in nonprofit and uh, commercial journalism in the state of Illinois.